Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Non-Target 5 shares his path from a non-target school in the Southeast to landing at a top investment bank as an associate. Learn how even at a part-time MBA program with minimal IB placement, he beat out kids from Wharton, Fuqua, and Darden. Listen to hear how his path of promotions in the corporate role for seven years played a large role and some advice on what he would have done differently. Enjoy. Okay, non-target five. Thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I miss it because I haven't been doing, I haven't done one of these in a while, and uh, getting back to it now. So, thank you for taking the time to to chat with me. Absolutely. So, it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio just to get started. Sure. So, I went to a small private school for undergrad in the southeast. Um, I went there for track, and wasn't really considered or concerned about. Uh, grades or what I was going to be doing afterwards. So I, I changed my major five times, really lacked a lot of focus. Um, I just assumed that everything would work out, which was obviously not the case. But uh, shortly after, had a very brief stint in real estate, um, did not like that and spent half my job trying to find something else. So landed a job as a management trainee for an auto parts distributor. And I've been there for the last seven years. Uh, Worked my way up from the trainee program to commercial sales to M&A analysis, which is kind of my intro to finance. And then since then, was promoted to category analyst and then now product manager. Very cool. And so um, tell me what's, uh, what's the latest and then what did you do? Perfect. Yeah. So um, in that M&A role, I, I found I really enjoyed it. Spoke with my mentor at the time about what, what kind of options were out there in finance. And he pointed me to his brother-in-law, who was an investment banker. And so that kind of guided me, guided me down the uh, investment banking path. He suggested I get my MBA. And so I've been in a part-time program for the last year and just landed an investment banking associate role. Awesome. Awesome. So let's go all the way back. Um, let's go all the way back to kind of undergrad. You said you were kind of a little bit lost, like you kind of went there for more athletics and um, for people who find themselves like what, how, how did you like, how were you approaching the summers, for example, were you doing a lot of different internships? Were you just messing around? Like what, like your sophomore year, summer, junior summer, I mean, you can be honest, like it's, you know, it's, it's just trying to get a sense of what you were exploring and kind of what your, your thought process was. Right. So I, I was not thinking long-term at all. I spent the summers training for track and was not really concerned with internships. Um, I, I, I definitely didn't know anything about finance, so I wasn't thinking about that. Uh, my assumption was 
I would follow my dad and my grandpa's footsteps, which is go into the corporate world for a while and then start your own company. So I did an entrepreneurship and management double major mm-hmm. and did an internship my second to last semester during school. And what was that internship and what type of thing, the real estate one, or is it something else? So this was a, actually it was a, it was a college and a sports apparel brand. They were okay. a startup. And your, your GPA wasn't that high, correct? Correct. 2.55 for both entrepreneurship and management. Just did the, just did the bare minimum to get the piece of paper. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's interesting because then you said you, when you graduated, did you have no job lined up or like, how did you get that job in real estate? It was just kind of like, hey, we'll pay you commission or what, what, when did you, when did it kind of hit you like, oh, wait a second, I got to start making money. Um, well, I'd actually, I'd actually secure a job uh, about six months before graduation, but it just so happened that a couple of my friends who were in that uh, job was a security company. They said there was a lot of ethical issues and I found that out the week before graduation. So I decided not to take it. My dad said he had always kind of regretted not going into commercial real estate and he had some friends. And I, I personally was not ready for that because there was really no structure and I didn't, I lacked a lot of discipline at the time. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I wasn't getting any commission checks, really, I realized, you know, it's not very cool to live in your parents' basement and not make any money. So <laughs> I started getting a little bit more focused and that management training program definitely knocked some discipline into me. Do you feel like you were um, just a late bloomer in terms of maturity and stuff like that? Yes. But once I kind of, once it kind of, I guess I, I kind of started figuring things out, I figured them out quickly. Tell me about this management training program. You don't have to tell me the company, obviously, but just tell me a little bit about like why it was good for you specifically. Cause I know it sounds almost like an FLDP program or one of these things where there's like a little bit of a rotation. Is that, is that accurate or no? Yeah. So you get, you get uh, put into retail stores, you get put into distribution centers, offices, sales team, and it's, it's very rigid. And I would say there was similar, I guess maybe a little bit of similarity to budget. They're very hard on you. Uh, like you would get in a fraternity, there's long hours, um, but it definitely gives you a lot of good skills. It gives you a lot of self-discipline. And if you do well in it, it can be a way to springboard your career. in management. So tell me a little bit about how you even found that job. So you're in commercial real estate, you're getting no commission checks. Are they paying you any sort of draw at all <laughs> or a salary at this yes, I, commercial real estate job? The last couple of months I was in that, I decided to get a draw. And then was out within two or three months and I had to pay it all back. So that stunk. But and how much was that? Like a couple a couple grand or something like that? Yeah, I think it was about three thousand. Yeah. And so then as you're like you're at this job, you're realizing it's not a good fit. How did you come across this automotive business and this training program? So I actually uh utilized my network. Um a family friend worked at this company who was fairly high up and said, Hey. They're starting this road. There's it's every six months they have a program and there was a, another program coming up. So I, I applied for it and fortunately we got it. And he was willing to put his, his or her neck out for you, knowing that uh, you had kind of, <laughs> kind of flowed through school. Yes. That was a big risk. Yeah. That's great. Definitely risk. Didn't put my GPA on the resume though. And fortunately they actually didn't ask. That was nice. Did you have any interviews where they did ask? I did not. No. Very okay. lucky. So you just kept the GPA off kind of had some sections on track in there and uh, some other stuff. And then, so 
you kind of go into this interview for this place, was it easy to get? Was it hard, easy to get because of the connection? Or do you feel like it was still tough, uh, a tough interview for this training? I think program? it was still tough. They, it's pretty rigorous. It was about two month process, seven interviews. They send you to uh, almost like a psych evaluation kind of place where they kind of figure out if you are management material or future leader material. And I guess they could see that there was some potential there. And what would you, what were types of stuff were they putting you through? Like what types of questions and stuff like that? Cause it's different. I don't, I don't usually hear that. So it's cool to hear a different type of interview. It is more like, how do you, how do you solve problems? How do you think about things? Are you more creative? Are you more, do you work more well within a system? Um, um, I guess management of philosophies, which is kind of hard for someone coming out of undergrad, but uh, they definitely focus on those kind of things. And where did you lie? Like, where did you fit? Were you a creative person or do you like systems? So it's funny. They, uh, they said I was one of the least creative people I'd ever come across, but I did work well within systems and they said I was highly resilient. Very other cool. than that, they don't share any other information with you. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Are you typically, have you been told you're very left brain dominant then? Like yes, very analytical. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely more analytical. Yeah. Very cool. So, okay. So you're, you're kind of going through this, you, you pass all the tests, they give you an offer. What's, what's the pay? Like, you know, you're in a small region here, small, small city, regional city. I assume it's pretty low for a trainee program, but pretty low 45,000 all in 45,000 all in love it. So you're kind of like, Hey, this is better than the basement. Right. Um, do you decide to stay living with your parents or do you move out at that point? So as soon as I got that first check, I moved out. Um, mm -hmm. and this is kind of a funny story mm -hmm. when they told me what I was going to get paid in the final interview, I started smiling because I was so happy. And the guy stopped the interview and said, just a quick tip. Don't ever smile when someone tells you how much you're going to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> That's great advice. I was so happy. You probably, you probably would have taken it if he had, you probably would have taken it if he had told you 25,000, right? I, I probably would have taken it, honestly. I would have had to find a roommate. I couldn't afford rent on my own. Did you end up going with a roommate or you found you got your own place? I ended up getting my own place at that level. That's the great thing about low cost of living area. Okay. So, so you're, you got a $45,000 salary. You're, you know, whatever, a year out of school or a little less than a year out of school. You did the commercial real estate thing. You didn't work out. You start here suddenly, uh, you know, well, tell me a little bit. What's the percentage of people who get that job? Is it like 20% of the one out of five applicants get in? Yes, it's pretty small, actually. There was my class was actually the biggest ever at the time. It was 15 in the whole country. And it's a it's about a almost a 20 billion dollar company. So it's a big company. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you're you're getting in here, they're ready to work you. Um, what's the first things they do? You get there the first day. What are they training you at all? Like, is there like some sort of groundwork for the first month, or are they just throwing you to the wolves? They throw you to the wolves. Uh, I, I had a six-month rotation in the stores. Um, and then six months in a distribution center and offices and then six months with the sales team. So it's like a two year thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's about a year and a half, a little over that a year and a half. So six months, six months. Okay. So retail. So you're like stocking shelves. You're just like working, you're doing like tough work. Deliveries, uh, yeah. working the counter, stocking parts, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And then the next six months, what's the second one? Uh, you're working in the distribution center. So it's a little, it's more stocking and, and pulling and loading trucks, but also there's work with offices. Yeah, so tell me like how much was it physical labor versus uh, the 
the working with offices and, and like, you know, communication? Um, I would say it was probably 75% physical labor, 25% wow. working in the offices. And so you're at any point during this kind of rotation, are you thinking to myself, like, I can't do this long-term or are you thinking, Hey, this is great. I would, I was telling myself, it's just short-term. I don't have to do this forever. Mm -hmm. and, and trying to keep in mind that people are watching me at all times. So I was trying to do a good job and they would, they would test me at times and put me on really difficult, uh, physically demanding assignments at times, but like hazing a little bit. It really was. Yeah. Uh, tell me about, tell me about the most physical demanding thing they made you do. Um, there was one week where they had a records room and it had not been cleaned out in over 20 years. And I'm not exaggerating. They had records in there. You're only supposed to keep the records for five years. There were records from the seventies. And so my, my assignment was to clean it all up organize it and come up with a system to where that would never happen again. I had a week to do it. Ended up clearing out 35 pallets of just garbage. Uh, it was pretty insane, but I, I got it done. And actually uh, I was sent a picture last year of the room and it was just as how I left it. That was pretty encouraging. They were happy with it. The system, uh, the system has kept up. It worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> That's awesome. That's how did you get through that? How did you even know how to do that? It's just like, hey, figure it out, kid. And you just like, we're like, okay, I have a week to do this. Like, how did you even, did you have anybody helping you or is it just you? They allowed me to get one temp worker. And so I had to leverage my lack of creativity and come up with a plan. Love it. Okay, so you're, you're going through that. Tell me about then what's the, you know, the training program's coming to an end. What's the, what's the next step? They bring you in a room and offer you something? Yeah, so everyone kind of gets placed based off where there's needs of the business. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that um, a few people have been promoted out of sales. And so I was able to manage um, our commercial sales team. And so our th that sales team is more geared towards the wholesale customers and store owners. And mm -hmm. so I spent about a year and a half uh, in my territory traveling around, working with store owners and, and their wholesale customers. And so what does that mean? Like you're going shaking hands, meeting people, and then giving them a, a price or something like that, like helping working with pricing? Yeah, pricing is part of it. Um, mm -hmm. So with the store owners, we would work a lot with their top uh, wholesale customers. Mm -hmm. So we would sign them up on programs that, that would get them better deals or, or uh, reduce their costs. How did you learn how to do this? Like you're doing physical labor one second, the next second you're traveling and shaking hands and then doing all the stuff. Is there anybody leading you? Is there a person kind of next to you or what, you know what I mean? Are you going into an office that, and somebody's kind of a mentor? So I had, I had office time about once a week, but the rest of the time, uh, the, the, there was someone that I was managing who actually used to do that job. He rode around with me for about a month and that was all I had. That was the it. rest of it was just figuring it out. Very cool. That's interesting because, you know, it's, it's interesting that they just throw you to the wolves like that, given that like, it's a pretty important role not just to manage but the pricing especially like how do they know you're not going to just get taken advantage of and the margins go to go to shit yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot of throwing to the wolves you, there's not really a lot of meat left on the bones after you've been thrown to the wolf so many times you got to really adapt to things quick and so then after that rotation you you're after a year and a half there you're still with this company at any point are you thinking hey i should go do something else i mean i had gotten promoted I let's see, since I've been there, I've been promoted four times within, within six years. So yeah, I felt like there was a clear path to being a, maybe executive one day, as long as I want to stay there. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's it's easy in big companies for people to hide. So for proactive people, there's certainly some opportunities. I thought that I could I could leverage that for sure. So you're you know you're the wholesale manager type, and then tell me about how you suddenly got into this mergers and acquisitions kind of corp dev role. Yeah, uh, or corp yeah corp dev because that's such, such it seems like a weird jump. All of a sudden, it's like your sales, you're managing salespeople shaking hands. And then they're like, no, here, open a financial model. Tell us, should we buy this company or not for how much? Exactly. So total 180 again. And it's not like you're a, you weren't a finance major, right? Uh, you were, uh, you had, I guess you had, uh, you know, entrepreneurship and management. You had no, maybe you had some finance classes, but it's not like you were used to building an M&A model, I assume. Right. And I had not spent one day in Excel before that role. So how did that even come about? Like, talk to me about that. I think that's really interesting, that internal transition from, you know, going from one, you also moved at that point. So like going from one region to the next and what even like, why did you put your hand up for that? And tell me about that role. Cause I think there's a lot of listeners who oftentimes don't know how to get into that role. Cause I think honestly, probably the reason, or one of the main reasons you landed an investment banking job is you had this part on your resume. Yeah. And on, I mean, so working with career resources at the, the MBA program I'm at right now, they made sure that you need to highlight that, that role. Right. So, um, honestly, I think part of it was I had done a good job in the training program and the sales program, and they wanted to expose me to as many different things in the business as possible. Um, they realized, you know, maybe he might crash and burn here, but he's at least, at least he's going to see a part of the business he hadn't seen before. Um, are, are they are they grooming you here to be like eventual CEO? What's the deal? What's what, why are they giving you so many promotions and how are you doing so well? So I think there is a level of grooming there uh, for trainees that do well and continue to do well and stay with the company. There is definitely a clear path to executive management, assuming mm-hmm. you keep producing. Yep. So they are. I think there is a level of that, um, but I, I definitely think they wanted to expose me to different areas of the business. They had just acquired a, a giant company in Europe and they were also acquiring a bunch of store groups in the States. So it wasn't traditional M&A in, in, like you would see in investment banking, for example. It was more, hey, work with our store owners, our potential store owners, and forecast their store P&Ls out five years based off uh, our stores or other independent stores close to them, things like that. There's really more FP&A for potential acquisitions, almost like. I would say it was more like that. Okay, but you, you're smart to actually have called it. I mean, did they call it a mer- mergers and acquisitions role or did they call it that? Or were you smart enough to put that on your resume and change it? No, they called it that. They call oh, it even better. You, don't have to, you didn't have to fudge it on your resume. Right. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so you're kind of doing that. You're looking, at, you're looking at potential acquisitions though, right? And evaluating them based on forecast or no? So... It was, I was evaluating stores, but it was really, again, more just working with the owners and showing what was possible if they joined our program. Got it. So you're putting together almost like the pitch. Right. right. And I, I definitely loved working with entrepreneurs like that, working, getting exposure to executives in the company and, and with our suppliers. There was a lot of acquisition rebates from our suppliers that I was reconciling. So there was a pretty good exposure to different people. That's great. So then, um, you know, what's interesting about that is at that point, I would have assumed, hey, you're going to go to business school and you're going to go now try to get investment banking. Yet you were there for another over three years. Yes. Doing other stuff. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, why were you only in seven, 
in that mergers and acquisitions role for seven months? You know, why did you move so quickly to something else? And then tell me a little bit about the the progression and when the decision of, hey, I, I want this MBA. And, and I know you said somebody had was in investment banking and that kind of started that path, but let's talk a little bit more about that and kind of why you thought it'd be a good fit. Yeah. So the reason why it was such a quick stint in that position, uh, they had already started the giant acquisition before I got there. And so I was just kind of helping as things died down with that. Mm-hmm. But also they ended up taking out, I, I was technically in the product department in that role. They ended up moving everything, all of that work strictly into the finance department. So I stayed in product, but then I moved into a category analyst position. And that is when I started investigating more uh, finance related roles because I really enjoyed that. And, uh, but yeah, I, I stayed, stayed on as category analyst while after I'd spoken with uh, my mentor's brother-in-law, who was an investment banker, decided, you know, maybe an MBA is the right thing to do. I didn't do it the first year that he told me about it. I kept, because I was getting promotions, didn't think it was totally necessary yet. But At this point, can we talk about pay and each step? So it was 45, 45 on your, on trainee, then as a wholesale manager, I assume that was a big jump, but tell me what was, what was that? 65, 75? 55. 50, just a ten thousand uh, dollar bump, yep. and you're managing all those people. Twenty five. That is correct. Things. Wow. But okay, I, I did tough. have a bigger percentage bonus. Like I could get up to a twenty five percent base salary of my bonus, which was up to around seventy. Up to around seventy k. Right, and, but they kept. They would always find excuses to cap it. They, it's a very cheap company. Okay, so you know, year and a half in, then you get the merger and acquisition role. Is that a bump? Pay bump? Yeah, so I got bumped to 65. Okay. And then they considered the category analyst role a lateral, so I did not get a pay bump for that. And wow. then once I got bumped up to product manager, that was 75. But still, I and mean, you're not, so you're still not even, you're still not hitting six figures here. No, I've never been paid more than a first year analyst in investment banking. <laughs> so you're very happy about this uh, jump to investment banking. Oh, I am thrilled. I've got a different perspective. Than most can you people. tell me what, can you tell me what your, yeah, can, you have a different perspective. Can you tell me what your, uh, your offer is? Uh, I assume it's 125 or even better for base salary. And so it's a little higher than that yeah. with a, a good sign on bonus. And then uh, end of year bonus is kind of up in the air. I think they've been healthy for the last year or so. So I'm hoping for at least uh, six figures after the first full year. Yeah. So, I mean, you could be doing, you could be clearing close to 300,000 plus, right? As an associate or? Yeah. I mean, more than tripling, almost maybe quadrupling. Your pay. When I'm at now. Yeah. Which is just insane. So it just goes to show you. Um, so I, I want to get into this, this MBA. So it, it took a while and it, your brother-in-law was like, kind of like, what are you doing? Go via, go get an investment banking. Was he pushing you hard for it or what? So he, so he's, uh, it's my mentor's brother-in-law. He's, oh, mentor. he's, a. Uh, He's a big dog in the area. He does extremely well. He mm-hmm. loves to talk about what he does. Mm-hmm. And he got me excited about it. So th- the more I talked to him, the more I, I wanted in. So after about a year, I applied to a part-time MBA program in my area. And why did you do that? Why not just go do you know a full-time program? It's just for, is it financial reasons? Uh, that's a small part of it. But he, he was brutally honest. He said, I think you can definitely break in but it's not guaranteed. And if you're getting groomed for this product manager position, you might want to check out a part-time program because there's going to be a lot of on-the-job learning in that product manager job. And so 
I didn't want to miss out on the on the learning there. It's definitely a great job in our company. It can lead to further things, but I think on the job learning, the location of where the program is and the flexibility of it, mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, I'm I might consider the full time more just because when you're working, you don't get to do those summer internships. You miss out on that. You don't get the summer internships. I'd say you don't get the full on dedication of like prepping for interviews. I think it puts you at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. Part-time program. I mean, my guess is, you know, it's a good school, but it's not like a top target for investment banks. Maybe Correct. a little, maybe in the, in the Southeast um, it's not bad, but you know, you're, you're talking a handful of banks. You're not talking 30, 40 banks. Right. Yeah. There, maybe just a handful of banks will recruit at this particular school in this area. And that's about it. That thing, that being said, you know, given your trajectory, your pay, you were getting promoted a lot, but you might've had a tough time with your undergrad GPA and all that stuff to get into a top school. Yeah, that is true. How was um, your, how was your GMAT? So that's, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. I actually didn't take it. I, instead I wrote a letter to the admissions director and explained why I was ready for the program. I had a good story about my GPA you know, look at my resume. I'm, I'm on track to do some great things at this company. I think I'm ready now. And so she ended up calling me into uh, an interview the next week and I got offered the next day without a GMAT. This is for the, this is for the part, part-time MBA program. Yes. Yeah. See, that's, that's the thing is like, I get the sense of like, it's the part-time is great in the sense of it's a little bit more of a hedge, right? You're not taking all this risk of like taking on tons of student loans and all this stuff. I mean, maybe you had some loans still um, from it, but it's at least you're bringing in some cash while you're studying. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a plus to it. Yeah. But if, you, if you're someone who is dead set on investment banking, I would, I would strongly consider a full-time. Yeah so, no tell me, yeah, so tell me how long, it's a full two-year, three-year program. What is it? How to, this is part-time? So it's part-time, it's two years, but I will be finishing in just under a year and a half. So I'm taking additional classes on top of the, the class I'm already doing and working. So it, that is actually a pro for me is that I've shown investment banks that I'm willing to grind because I'm, you know, working about 55 hours a week, plus at least 10 hours of class, plus the additional class, plus all the investment banking prep I'm doing and whatever free time I have left. Yeah. So they love it. They're like, yep, that's perfect. <laughs> it's about what you'll be working at a bank, right? Right. So, um, okay. So that's great. So you kind of convinced them. So tell me a little bit of how you got, uh, got these interviews. Was it your, you said your uh, brother-in-law's mentor or it was, uh, you know, tell me how you, how you ended up landing at all, any interviews, networking, so, how would you go about it? All that good stuff. I leveraged my mentor's brother-in-law for, mm-hmm. um, the regional boutique firm that's in the area. And so I, I would name drop him um, and ended up getting into the super day there. Mm-hmm. From there, I, I leveraged my, my colleges or my MBA programs uh, network. They have, they have a mentor program. And it just so happens that one of the heads of the investment banks here went there for undergrad. Mm-hmm. And so he is now uh, a mentor for me and that got me in the door at that bank. And then, um, our career resources manager previously recruited for the bank. I ended up getting an offer from, uh, so there were, I had some irons in the fire at probably about four or five banks 
and got my offer uh, last month. And wh- uh, which was it the one that you're, um, you had the strongest connection? I would say I had the most connections. I spent the better part of six months networking there. Yep. Uh, just calling hiring managers, calling um, recruiters, staying in touch. How were the super days? What were they like? Or the, how many so out of the four to five banks or that you kind of started off with? You got first rounds with all of them? Yeah, so first rounds with all of them. I made it to two super days before I got uh, my offer. And the other super days, I called them and told them I'd already accepted an offer. So I didn't, that was kind of the end of those processes. So, and so how were you, how were you prepping with us besides, you know, Wall Street Oasis Investment Banking interview course? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if you used it. I'm just uh, name dropping there. But yeah, tell me, how were you prepping? Like technicals, mostly behaviorals. I mean, you had a, a good story, like you said, with the promotions and the, the, yeah. I, I did not want at the time I started, I did not know about Wall Street Oasis. Mm-hmm. Sorry to say I did not use their resources. I, I use Wall Street Prep a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I was working on my accounting value yep. or my valuation modeling, uh, investment banking prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely, I was definitely weak in the technical. So I invested a lot of time in that. Yeah. Um, I felt like I could craft a good story. I think something that's kind of underrated for people that are looking to break in. I think you need to be very good at communication, both verbal and written. Mm-hmm. I think that was something that helped me kind of stand out. Um, you know, yeah. when I'm in the super heading into the super day at the bank, I ended up getting offered from, they sent an email out to all the participants and I look in there, I see Wharton, Booth, Stern, Darden, Keenan Flagler, Fuqua, and I'm like, man, this is kind of intimidating, but I knew I'd put in the work. I just had to go and execute. Um, fortunately I did. But yeah, there's a lot of resources out resources out there. I, I know there's the Rosenbaum and Pearl um, mm-hmm. investment banking textbook. How how did run that cover to cover? Yeah, and so how did you kind of beat out all those top MBAs? Well, you feel like you were you were com- you were competitive on the technicals. You knew the financial modeling, all that stuff. You had taken those courses. Um, tell me about like so technicals. You were fine. You just n- nailed it. I honestly, I did nail it. Yeah. Granted, they weren't too, too bad. I mean, it was fairly basic. Yeah. You know, walk me through a DCF. How do you get to free cash flow? Um, yeah. What are the valuation methodologies? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are good LBO candidates? I had all that prepped. Felt like I did great on that. Mm-hmm. I definitely focused a lot on my story and tried to highlight areas where I might not be as strong in, in, in this as the ideal candidate, mm-hmm. but here's how that better prepared me and, and you know, will make me a good person long-term. Interesting. So, yeah, so you played up the, Hey, I'm here to stick it out. I'm here to make a career out of this. Right. That, that was, that was a big part of it. Yeah. I think they, there's, they get burned so much with the associates coming and leaving right. so fast and they want somebody to kind of stick around long-term. So maybe you convince them that you were a banker for life. Yeah. And I think that and banker for life, but also, you know, I've got a lot of good management experiences. I've been mm-hmm. in some difficult positions. Um, I think they could see that I could handle tough problems, but also tough hours as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important. That's great. So you nailed the technicals, the behaviorals, you had the good, you had the right story. So it allowed you to kind of be competitive with a lot of these top MBAs when you, you know, your school, although decent in the Southeast isn't, isn't near the level of those schools in terms of placements. Right. Right. Exactly. So tell me, um, yeah, are you excited or nervous? <laughs> I am so excited. 
If yeah. you look at a lot of my posts recently on Wall Street Oasis, I'm always trying to encourage people. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of negativity sometimes, which is typical of most forums. I mean, yeah, like on a car forum, people are just going to post about car issues they're having and how to fix them. Right. You know, in the investment banking forums, you, you see a lot of analysts, they're, they're going through the grinder. So yeah, I, I try to encourage people to think long term about it. I think mm-hmm. it's a great career for people based off of my research. I'm very excited to start uh, next year. I'll be curious to hear, like, once you're a year in, maybe we could do another podcast just to get an update of, like, what's it really like on the inside? <laughs> yeah. The expectation versus reality, you know? And you'll be like, the pay is amazing, but wow, my lifestyle is <laughs> right. was pretty rough. So it'd be good to get, like, an honest assessment. Um, maybe we can do that in a year or two. What's interesting, I actually met with, I had coffee with one of the guys that interviewed me uh-huh. uh, last week, and he was really encouraging. Uh, it sounds like the culture is great. That's awesome. Um, People, since the pandemic, people don't have a problem taking work home, you know, starting at six and being with their families. So that'll be good for me. Someone who's married with a kid. That's great. I know my wife was kind of worried about that, but now she doesn't have to work. Yeah, well, you can go home, have dinner, put the kid down, and then go back to work if you need to. Um, right. Late night. Great. Well, non-target five. Anything, any other final words of wisdom before we call it? Yeah, I would say if you're looking to break in, um, you can't change the past. And certainly if you got a good GPA at a, at a great school, that can only help you, you know, don't, I would encourage everyone to, to get as high of a GPA as they can, but if you don't, um, there's, there's ways in, I think one of the best ways you can get in actually is I think everyone should have a mentor, whether you're in or you're out, doesn't matter what field you're in. I think everyone should have a mentor. I think, I think it's huge. It helps point people in the right direction. There's wisdom there that you wouldn't otherwise have. So for sure. For sure. Yeah. For, for those that don't know that are listening, I think we talked about it, but we have over 900 mentors now in our, uh, the Wall Street Mentor Service. So if you are looking to chat with somebody, you can find basically anyone with any sort of background from any region in the world um, <laughs> there from investment banking, private equity, corporate finance, corp dev, venture capital, um, you name it. Um, we have people who've, who've been there and done that. So um, take a look if, if you're interested. All right. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I think this is really helpful. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.